purpose of this podcast is to give you some context on the books of First and Second Kings, which we will be studying in the Explore the Bible series this summer, 2022. Before we move on, we should note that much of what we find in First and Second Kings, we also find in Second Chronicles. From time to time in the study resources, we will point to the parallel accounts in Second Chronicles to give additional insight into the story. That is one reason we included pack item 12, which is titled Handout, Comparison, Kings, and Chronicles, to help you better see the connections between the books. Now let's look at First and Second Kings. The books of First and Second Kings cover the years 970 to 560 BC. That's the time of David's death to the time of Judah's exile in Babylonia. There's approximately 25 years after Jerusalem fell, and the exiled king Jehoiakim was released from prison and allowed to eat at the table of the king of Babylon. We find that in 2 Kings chapter 25. The date of Jehoiakim's release would have been roughly 560 BC, so most interpreters believe 1 and 2 Kings was completed sometime after that. God's people were still in exile, but many probably saw a glimmer of hope when Jehoiakim was released from prison. The first group of God's people returned to Judah in 538 BC under Zerubbabel, who was a descendant of David. A second return under Ezra followed in 458 BC. And then there's a third return that occurred under Nehemiah in 445 BC. Spiritual challenges would have continued to come and God's people needed to stand strong for the next chapter he had for them. Some proposed that the books of 1st and 2nd Kings served as a helpful guide during that time. The captives needed encouragement that comes from seeing God's hand at work with their ancestors. But God also wanted to draw his people back to himself by showing how their captivity was linked to the unfaithfulness of their ancestors. By understanding the relationship between sin and judgment, the Jewish remnant could move forward and move towards personal repentance and a renewed relationship with the Lord. Now, God still had a good plan for them, even though they had forsaken him. We don't know how well the general population knew the material found in First and Second Kings. However, when God's people later lived in the land during the ministries of Ezra and Nehemiah, the leadership at least possessed a clear view of the nation's history. We find that in Ezra 9 and Nehemiah 9 and 13. These leaders wanted to be sure their people did not repeat their ancestors' sins. Now, Kings was originally two books. The separation occurred during the translation of the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament. Most likely, the longer Greek version required a second scroll. Therefore, we have two books. The books of Kings answered important questions for Israelites who lived in the years of exile in Babylon. Why did the exile happen, especially since Solomon's rule had been so splendid? Had the later king failed militarily, politically, economically? The answer was the kings and the people had all failed spiritually. They had abandoned the Lord, their true king, and he had sent three painful lessons to teach them the importance of staying true to him. First, he divided Israel into two kingdoms. Second, he sent the idolatrous northern kingdom into permanent captivity through the Assyrians. And third, 
he sent the idolatrous southern kingdom into temporary exile through the Babylonians. Therefore, the writer in 1st and 2nd Kings wrote a highly selective account of the kings, evaluating each one as to whether he did right or evil in the eyes of the Lord. As we study these books, we should keep that original purpose in mind. Now, like other narratives, 1st and 2nd Kings follows the general chronology based on the kings of Israel and Judah. However, one thing we need to know here is that since royal reigns overlapped, one could not follow a strict regiment of dating the chapters. In some instances, the writer backtracks, and in others, he jumps forward. Overall, though, each book traces God's interaction with the two Jewish nations based on their kings. First Kings begins with the death of David and Solomon's rise to the throne. Later, the ten northern tribes succeed in the wake of an unwise choice made by Solomon's son, Rehoboam. While political pressure looks like to be the contributing factor, the real reason for the nation's division was God's judgment for Solomon's idolatry. From there, the book follows a parallel track between Israel and Judah until the northern kingdom is conquered and exiled by the Assyrians. The final kings of Judah rotated between righteous and wicked until God executed final judgment on the southern kingdom through Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. First and second kings also revealed to us how God used prophets to address his people. First kings highlights the ministry of Elijah, while second kings describes the ongoing work of Elisha. When kings sought the Lord, the prophet's words were encouraging and hopeful. But these prophetic voices also issued warnings when kings acted wickedly and led the people into sin. A linchpin in this narrative is God himself. God's covenant with his people was the benchmark, and ultimately both Israel and Judah failed to meet God's expectations expressed in the Mosaic law. As a result, both nations had been taken into exile. Despite this being a narrative, several practical themes can be found in the books of 1st and 2nd Kings. I want to identify nine of them during our time together. The first one is God's sovereignty. When we look at this, we may think that this, these two books are about human rulers, but the true focus is the king of kings and his sovereign rule over nations. Not only did God bless and punish his people corporately, but he also used other nations to fulfill his purposes. The Lord held pagan nations responsible for their actions, but he also allowed their intrusions because of his people's sin. A second theme is God's purpose. God established Israel as his people and called them to be holy like him. However, with few exceptions, most of their kings were unfaithful and led the people into idolatry. Israel and Judah rode a roller coaster of righteousness and ruin. They experienced cycles of seeking God when threatened and chased idols when secure. In the end, they failed to honor their God-given purpose and suffered the consequences. A third theme that we see in these books is devotion to God. David's successor, his son Solomon, began his reign demonstrating loyalty to God. However, in time, he began to follow the gods of his foreign wives. No longer was he devoted to God alone. Throughout First and Second Kings, this, this loyalty 
to God appeared again and again among the kings and people of Israel and Judah. Some attempted to worship both the false gods and the Lord, while others simply rejected God completely. A fourth theme is the temple, and it's related to the devotion to God. In general, how leaders treated the temple reflected their attitude toward God. Though not permitted to build the temple, David did all he could to prepare materials, finances, and labor for Solomon's use. From the extensive details of construction to its dedication, the temple provided context for Solomon's commitment to the Lord. Under evil kings, the temple fell into despair and paganism was brought into God's house. In contrast, righteous kings like Joash, Hezekiah, and Josiah initiated repairs and reforms that demonstrated respect for God. In each generation, the king's attitude towards God was reflected in their attitude toward the temple. A fifth theme is God's faithfulness to his promises. The books of First and Second Kings show that God remained true to his word. What he said would happen, happened. He told Solomon the kingdom would be divided, and it was. Through Elijah, he announced a famine, and it occurred. God said he would uproot his people from the land of their ancestors and scatter them beyond the Euphrates, and he did. Everything God said would happen, happened exactly like he said it would. A sixth theme, which is related to God's faithfulness, is the prophetic messengers. God sent holy men to serve as his spokesmen. Some were well-known, like Elijah and Elisha, while others were anonymous. Their purposes included instruction, warning, and promise. By offering instruction in right living, the prophets commanded both kings and citizens to behave properly toward one another and toward God. The events recorded in First and Second Kings provide a backdrop for the ministry of many of the prophets in Scripture. A seventh theme is God's judgment. Because God was true to what he has said and had provided warning through his messengers, he brought judgment on the disobedient. The Lord had chosen this people to live in this land to be a witness for him. But when they turned their backs on God and embraced the gods of surrounding peoples, God responded with judgment. The books of First and Second Kings show how God was justified in bringing destruction on his people. An eighth theme is God's grace. These two books offer glimmers of grace throughout. The way God worked in the lives of the widow of Zarephath and Naaman revealed that his grace extends to all people of every nation and race. Additionally, speaking through prophets and seers, God continually called Israel and Judah to repent and turn to him, all of which were expressions of God's grace. A ninth theme is the responsibility of leadership. Israel and Judah prospered or perished as the people served the Lord or rejected him. A graph of national history would demonstrate their rise and fall based on obedience or sin. The personal righteousness or wickedness of the leaders dramatically influenced the behavior of the nations. Still, while God held other rulers responsible for their personal decisions, his hand also extended to the people who followed their example. Once again, those nine themes are God's sovereignty, 
God's purpose, a devotion to God, the temple, God's faithfulness to his promises, prophetic messengers, God's judgment, God's grace, and the responsibility of leadership. The book of Joshua begins with this declaration, Moses, my servant, is dead. The death of Moses signified a dramatic change for the people of God. The book of 1 Kings begins with the announcement that Israel's King David was near the end of his life. David had reigned for some 40 years. Who would be his successor? And for those who ruled after David, what would their reigns be like? What would happen to Israel? The books of 1 and 2 Kings answers those questions and many more. These books look at the history of the people of God from when they were at their highest point, wealthy and unified, to when they are at their lowest point, disgraced and broken. George Santayana is credited with saying that those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Biographies and historical writings help us gain insights into some of the whys and hows in history. We see people's struggles and in the process identify with many of the same challenges they faced. We place ourselves in the story, wondering what we would have done had we faced the same situation. Many of us would rather read history than fiction, since history is filled with compelling stories and teachable moments. First and Second Kings, and by extension Second Chronicles, cover 400 years of history and give us a glimpse of what happens when God's people live up to his expectations. Unfortunately, we see even more examples of what happens when people don't live up to those expectations. Some of the same things are true for us. At times, we will fail to live up to the expectations God has for us. We may repeat the same mistakes over and over, or we may be created by finding new ways to take a misstep. In First and Second Kings, we'll see the dangers of compromising, assuming God's blessing, and ignoring God altogether. We will also find that God offers forgiveness and hope to those who turn to him in repentance. His forgiveness should stir up our gratitude and motivate us to live a life that honors him. Now join us as we look at a slice of history and at how God worked to accomplish his purposes and refine a people for himself. Mm -hmm.